Welcome to the Bethel Free Baptist Church Weekly Sermons. The following podcast is part 50 in the series Contending for the Faith. This is the morning service of Sunday the 10th of October 2010, entitled God, the Holy Spirit, Part 12. And the Bible reading is taken from 1 Corinthians chapter 12, verses 1 to 11. Here's Pastor Larry T. Curtis. If you'd like to open your Bibles this morning to 1 Corinthians chapter 12, while you're turning there, of course, back to our series on contending for the faith. Today's sermon will be the, the 50th sermon in that series, and we're on part 12 of God the Holy Spirit. In our study of God the Holy Spirit, we have thus far looked at the promise, the person, the purpose, the practice, the power. And then in our last sermon, we were looking at the presentation of the Holy Spirit, how He is made manifest in the life of the Christian. Um, and of course, we uh, have seen in Scripture thus far that uh, He is manifest in the life of that Christian uh, in boldness, in His witnessing, holiness in His living, the praise and the worship, the thanksgiving, the submissiveness. And of course, He's made uh, manifest through the fruits of the Spirit. They're seen in the Christian. We've seen in each and every Christian. And we said then that we wanted to look at one other thing in this manifestation, and that's what we call the gifts of the Spirit. Now, in 1 Corinthians chapter 12, not sure how far we will get, but I'm just going to read the first 11 verses to, uh, to start with here this morning. 1 Corinthians chapter 12, I invite you to stand with me to honor the reading of God's Word. In 1 Corinthians chapter 12, beginning in verse 1, our Bible says, Now concerning spiritual gifts, brethren, I would not have you ignorant. You know that ye were Gentiles, carried away unto these dumb idols, even as you were led. Wherefore I give you to understand. No man speaking by the Spirit of God calleth Jesus accursed, that no man can say that Jesus is the Lord but by the Holy Ghost. Now there are diversities of gifts, but the same Spirit. There are differences of administrations, but the same Lord. There are diversities of operations, but it is the same God which worketh all in all. But the manifestation of the Spirit is given to every man to profit with all. For to one is given by the Spirit the word of wisdom, to another the word of knowledge by the same Spirit, to another faith by the same Spirit, to another the gifts of healing by the same Spirit, to another the working of miracles, to another prophecy, to another discerning of spirits, to another diverse kinds of tongues, to another the interpretation of tongues. But all these worketh that one and the selfsame Spirit, dividing to every man severally as he will. Father, we thank you for your goodness, Lord, that we can be gathered in your house this morning. Lord, I truly thank you for each one that you have allowed to be here this morning for health and strength, for the place that you've given us to worship. Lord, for the freedom to be able to worship. We thank you, Lord, for your word that you've preserved that we have and that we've just read from. And Lord, we give you thanks for that spirit that lives within, which we know will give us understanding. 
Now, Father, we pray that your anointing would be upon thy servant this morning. We pray, Lord, that you would be seen in this place and not man. We pray, Lord, that hearts would be receptive. We pray, Lord, that we would each and every one be responsive to that which you have for us. Lord, may your word, by the power of the Spirit, change each one of us in some way today. Lord, I pray and plead that if there be one in our midst that's never truly been saved, or that this would be the day they would come to see and recognize Jesus Christ for who he is and the great need that they have, that he is there for them. For it's in Christ's precious and holy name we pray, amen and amen. So we see before us in Scripture at least, at least one of the means of the Holy Spirit's presence being manifested in the life of the believer. Now I've not left it until last because of it being of any less importance than the others we've looked at, because we'll find that truly the gifts of the Spirit are an essential part of every believer's life. And it's also an essential part of a church that is going to function as God would have it to function, the body of Christ with each one through the power of the Spirit, making up their part of that body. However, most of you will already know, even from just what I've read this morning, that it's also one of the most controversial subjects concerning the Holy Spirit and His work. We find that it's a subject that sometimes we might wonder who, but somebody's certainly confused on it because there's so many different teachings concerning this matter. Well, let me assure you, first of all, that that's nothing new. Satan's good at his job, and he's been doing it for a long time, and it really shouldn't surprise us. If, as I say, this matter is of such vital importance to each and every one of us as a Christian and to our church, then why wouldn't Satan want to confuse the matter? We find that there was confusion even in the early church. That's why that we have more than any other place in the Scripture, we have at least three chapters here relating to this matter of spiritual gifts. That the Apostle Paul was writing to the church at Corinth because there was already much confusion there and there was much misuse and there was a lot of things going on that he was trying to both correct and teach them the proper things about this wonderful gift at the same time. So we find that in our reading this morning that we, we have his writings under inspiration of the Holy Spirit. As he addresses this church congregation at Corinth, now I might say that there really is no reason for confusion. And I would even tell you ahead of time that though it may take me, though I've tried to, to really compress this thing into as small amount as I can because you can really get into a lot of sermons on this subject. But I determined one thing that I was not going to do was that I was not going to spend my time addressing all the misconceptions and the misunderstandings and the things that are being taught wrong. And I might say that neither do I claim to have any special insight on this subject whatsoever other than 
the preserved Word of God that I hold in my hand, and the very Holy Spirit that we have already seen is there to teach us and to give us understanding from that Word. We find that I'd like to remind you of two verses that we have already looked at back very early in these messages on the Holy Spirit, that when we were looking, first of all, at the promise of the Holy Spirit, which came from the Lord Jesus Christ Himself, and the purpose that the Holy Spirit was being sent to us. And we said, of course, if we're ever to understand what the Holy Spirit is doing and all the goings on, we've got to understand why that God sent Him in the first place, because I assure you, He came to do what God wanted Him to do, because He can do none else, because we've already seen He is God. He is So we find that Jesus himself made that promise concerning this purpose, and he told us in John chapter 14 and verse 26, but the Comforter, which is the Holy Ghost, whom the Father will send in my name, he shall teach you all things and bring all things to your remembrance whatsoever I have said unto you. Now, if it is the Holy Spirit that is responsible for teaching us all things, that's a pretty good place for the devil to bring confusion because he certainly does does not want us to learn the things of God. Two chapters later in John chapter 16 and verse 13, we looked at this verse also. How be it when he, the spirit of truth, is come, the Bible says, he will guide you into all truth. For he shall not speak of himself, but whatsoever he shall hear, that shall he speak, and he will show you things to come. Now, notice our passage here in 1 Corinthians chapter 12, where we took our reading today. What does the very first verse say? Now, concerning spiritual gifts, brethren, I would not have you ignorant. Now, you might say or (laughs) at least think, okay, preacher, (laughs) but doesn't everybody? I mean, all of these churches and all of these Christians with all of their different ideas on this subject, isn't everybody claiming the same thing about this? Don't they all claim that the basis of their ideas and their teaching is solely upon God's Word through the Holy Spirit's guidance? Well, the answer, yes. At least most of them, most of them, for the most part, genuinely believe it as well. Genuinely. I have dear Christian brothers and sisters in Christ that we disagree strongly upon these teachings. They are still my brothers and sisters in Christ. I'm not out to destroy them. We find that if the case is, which we know that it is, that everybody's claiming to be right, and most people believe that they're right, and everybody says they're getting it from the same place, and they've all got the same teacher. Well, if everybody thinks that, how, how can that be? 
We know everybody's not right. You might ask the question, well, if that's the case, if all these different things are out there and all these people are claiming this is the truth and all claim it's from the Bible and all claim that it's through the Holy Spirit, why should I listen to you? What are you going to teach and preach that is going to make a difference? You might ask yourself the honest question, how can I genuinely, honestly know the truth? If so many genuine Christians believe such different things about this, how can I possibly be sure and have confidence in what I believe? Well, I might say, first of all, that I've been there. I've believed different in the past about some of these things than I do now, just as some of you that are sitting out there now do. I genuinely believe now that I believed wrong then that I'm believing right now, of course. <laughs> and I can only say this. It was only through much prayer and much study that I had to come to a place where what I believe is based because I believe not upon any book that I've read on the subject, not even what any preacher has preached upon the subject, but what I've been able to gain from God's Word and studying it and looking at it. Now, I want to tell you something. I'm a little bit selfish sometimes when it comes to being a Christian. And I can tell you this, that in my young Christian life, just like most, I mean, man, there's a lot of zeal there. And I was just selfish enough that I wanted anything and everything that God had for me. <laughs> You see, I wanted to see God moving and working just like most Christians do. I wanted to know that God was there, and I wanted to, to see Him doing things that I knew that only God would, could do. The truth is, I was very inquisitive. And though even at the time I was in a good, solid, Bible-preaching, Bible-teaching church, I began to look other places as well. I began to go to other meetings as well. I began to hear all these different things. And I did become very confused. I thought I was gaining more. But I realized that I was getting more confused all the time because I was hearing so many different things. And I spent the time, yes, I've been there in the big meetings with those that were making all kinds of claims and I've been there when many of the people were swinging from the chandeliers and looking for the grapevine and everything else. And I was sincere, folks. I'm not saying that to make fun. I was genuinely sincere. And I, was, I just wanted, I wanted to see God move in the best way that he could. And I don't, I don't claim to know anything today except that the only thing that I knew is that I came to a point when I had to get on my face before God and I pleaded with God and I begged with God and I got into God's Word and I started trying to make some sense of all these things that everybody was saying was different. Now, could I possibly be wrong about this? No way. <laughs> of course I could. I am a man, a human being, and just as any man, people can be wrong. But I can only tell you this, 
that I have total confidence in what I believe. I can't read some man's book and change my mind because he's saying something different because I'm not where I'm at because of what man said in his book. I'm not where I'm at because of experiences that I've had, though I've had some. I'm not where I'm at because of experiences that I've seen others take. I am where I am because I have absolute total confidence in what I've searched and found in God's Word. I'm not God. I've never claimed to be perfect. But I'm saying you need to know why you believe what you believe it. And you need to have confidence in it because you have studied it out for yourself. Not just because you've listened to some man preach, no matter who he is. Not just because you've read some great book on the subject. Not because you've tracked it down on the internet or anywhere else. But because God's Word says it. I fully recognize. I believed. I was genuine. I thought with all my heart that I was right on some of those things that I come to believe I was wrong on. And I don't stand before you to claim that I'm perfect, but I hope that as we look at these matters, I hope that at least as we look at scriptures, that if nothing else, it will challenge you to get into God's word and to search it out for yourself and to see what God has to say on the subject with all those biases put aside. That's not easy to do. Have you got biases? Of course you do. Have I got biases? Of course I do. And it's not easy. It's not easy to try to set aside those things sometimes, those preconceived ideas that we go to the Word of God and we try to make the Word of God fit what we already believe rather than genuinely going and seeing what God has to say and look at it. Wow. You believe what you believe and you believe it with absolute confidence and Man, that other guy believes exactly the opposite. He believes it with absolute confidence. <laughs> Preacher, you're a whole lot of help, aren't you? <laughs> well, you know, I hope to some degree that you can have confidence in what I'm preaching, or if you can't, then I hope you find somewhere that you can. <laughs> but I hope you don't believe what I say just because I say it. I'm going to simply lay some scriptures before you. And I'm going to expound them by the help of God and by the help of the Holy Spirit the best that I can. I know one day that I'll face God with everything that I say today and everything that I've ever said and everything that I ever will say from this pulpit. But I'm going to try to give you the basis for what I believe and what I preach. But regardless of what I say, and regardless of what any other man says, you're going to stand before God one day. And he's not going to ask you what you believe based upon what your pastor preached. He's going to ask you what you believe and what you've lived and what you've done according to what his word says. You will be responsible for you based upon this word. I'll be responsible for what I say. But you'll be judged upon his word, not upon the words that I tell you. I'll be judged upon my words, but not you. We find that the basis of our faith, whatever the subject is, must never be based upon the words of another man. 
of any man. No matter how much we respect, no matter how much we honor them, man can be wrong. That's hard to get a balance sometimes because the Bible forbids to even ordain a man to put in this pulpit to be a pastor if he's a novice. But at the same time, just because he's not a novice doesn't mean that he's perfect. You've got to pray yourself. You've got to spend some time studying. We expect to know all these things, and how much time do we spend with God? Yes, it's a controversial subject, but you need to have the basis of what you believe because you've got into God's Word, you've studied it out, you understand those truths for yourself. We saw in the very beginning of this series that in all that we believe, in all that we stand on, what we are contending for in this faith has got to be based upon the Word of God. I have no ulterior motive whatsoever. My only desire is for God's truth. I want to know it myself. I want to proclaim that truth to others. Yes, I want everything that God can and will give me in this Christian life to make life easier while I'm here, that this life can somehow accomplish something for His glory. And yes, I'm looking forward one day to leaving this sin-cursed world behind and being in a place for all of eternity with Him where there is no sin taint, where there are no mistakes, where there are no differences in doctrine, when we truly will be just like Him. What a day that will be, as the song says. Now, there's a lot of Scriptures throughout the Bible dealing with this subject of gifts. You're going to have to study a lot of those out for yourself. We're going to take a look at three primary passages in the New Testament that deal with this. And I'm going to attempt as we look at those passages to try to not only expound, but summarize what we're seeing from those Scriptures. Some things you're going to have to draw your own conclusions. You must, but you must do so based upon what God says. Don't do it on what man says or man thinks. Certainly don't base it upon experiences, whether they're your own or someone else's. You see, we shouldn't interpret the Scripture According to our experiences, we should interpret our experiences according to the Scriptures. There's a big difference. Now, I want you to look at something, first of all, as we speak of this matter of gifts. First of all, I just want to look at a simple thought. Let's define what we're talking about, the definition of gifts. What are we talking about? There's a number of words that are translated gift in our Bible. We'll look at some of those as we go through, but there's one thing for certain. In every case, in all cases, a gift is something that is given. A gift is something that is given. We're speaking specifically as we look into the Word of God about gifts that are given by God Himself. Gifts that God gives to us. And of course, when we speak of the gifts of the Holy Spirit, we're speaking of gifts that are given to us by God the person of God, the Holy Spirit Himself. We're speaking specifically 
of those things that God has given us through him. Now, again, the Bible is, we've already seen that if we're a child of God, if we're a believer and the Holy Spirit is living within us and we've been baptized in the Holy Spirit and we've got the fruit of the Spirit and all these things, the Spirit ought to be being manifest in our lives. We ought to be able to see something that's different than the world. Matter of fact, we ought to be getting a little glimpse of Jesus Christ. We look into a believer's life. Again, as we look here, and this is a means of the Holy Spirit manifesting himself in the Christian's life. Remember, we'll see as we look through that a gift is never something that's earned. If you've earned it, there's no way that it can be given to you. A gift is not something that can ever be paid for. So you can't work for it. You can't pay for it. Matter of fact, if it's being given as a gift, all you can do is receive it or in some cases, reject it. You can't do anything for it except receive it or reject it. Now, let's keep in mind, first of all, first of all, as we look at gifts, God has given some of what I simply call intrinsic gifts, intrinsic gifts that are given to all of humanity. It doesn't matter where they are, doesn't matter who they are, doesn't matter if they're saved, if they're lost, if they are alive and they are a human being, they have received gifts from God. You can look right back in the first chapter of our Bibles in Genesis chapter 1. Notice what the Bible says beginning in verse 26. And God said, let us make man in our image after our likeness. Let them have dominion over the fish of the sea and over the fowl of the air and over the cattle and over the earth and over every creeping thing that creepeth upon the earth. But God created man in his own image. In the image of God created he him. Male and female created he them. And God blessed them. And God said unto them, Be fruitful and multiply and replenish the earth and subdue it and have dominion over the fish of the sea and over the fowl of the air and over every living thing that moveth upon the earth. God said, Behold, I have given you every herb-bearing seed which is upon the face of all the earth and every tree in the which is the fruit of a tree-yielding seed. To you it shall be for meat. To every beast of the earth, to every fowl of the air, and to everything that creepeth upon the earth wherein there is life. I have given every green herb for meat, and it was so. And God saw everything that he had made, and behold, it was very good. The evening, the morning, for the sixth day. The very creation. You see, God gave man, first of all. He gave man. Not because he earned it, not because he deserved it, not because he paid for it. Matter of fact, he didn't even exist. God gave him his very existence in the act of creation. God gave him the earth and everything that he needed for that existence to be. He gave him dominion over that earth. God gave to man a woman and the ability to reproduce, and the ability to, to have a family. And of course, 
Bible tells us in John 1, 3, all things were created by him, and without him was not anything, anything made that was made. Nothing was made without him. You find that you can look just slightly further in your Bible in Genesis chapter 2, in verse 7. And the Lord God formed man of the dust of the ground, and what? And breathed into his nostrils the breath of life, and man became a living soul. You see, God not only gave him existence, everything that he needed for that natural existence, but God gave him something that set him apart from everything else in creation. He himself breathed into man, and man became a living soul. Of course, along with that soul that set him apart and made him different, there were some responsibilities that come with that. Notice a few verses down. Verse 15 of chapter 2. And the Lord God took the man, and put him into the garden of Eden to dress it and to keep it. And the Lord God commanded the man, saying, Of every tree of the garden thou mayest freely eat. But if of the tree of the knowledge of good and evil thou shalt not eat of it, for in the day that thou eatest thereof thou shalt surely die. Man was different. But man had different responsibilities. You see, along with that life, along with that soul, along with everything that man needed to exist, God also gave him a will, a free will we would often call it. He gave him choice, that man can make decisions for himself. But, of course, in giving him choices, he also gave him accountability for those choices that he made to his creator, the very one that had given him his existence and given him everything he needed to exist in the first place. Man chose badly. Man chose to disobey that creator there in the garden. And as a result of that, man earned something. It wasn't a gift. Man earned it for himself. That's that thing called death. The wages of sin is death. You see, God gave him everything wonderful, everything beautiful, everything that he needed to exist for all of eternity. But in giving man the choice, man then turned and earned something for himself through his sin. But you know what? You can quote with me this morning. John 3.16 says, For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten Son, that whosoever believeth on him should not perish, but have everlasting life. You see how God is a God of gifts. He gave his Son to everyone that would believe upon him would have the opportunity to be saved from that sin. They'd inherited all the way back to the Garden of Eden. God's given many things, but why don't you grasp and understand that God has given certain intrinsic, basic, foundational gifts, if you would, to all mankind, to every human being that lives. These are examples, and I believe with all my heart that 
God's Son was given. The Bible says it's not God's will that any should perish. That sacrifice was sufficient. It was sufficient for all that have come. It was sufficient for you if you're here this morning and you haven't. Not only do we see what I call intrinsic gifts to all humanity, but we have what I call inclusive gifts to all believers. Gifts that God gives to every believer. Every believer, everybody that comes to put their faith and trust in Jesus Christ, they all get these gifts. Every one of them. Get all of them. You find that, of course, the very, the very first thing that we have to give Him credit for is the fact that we can even come to Him at all. I'm sure that many of you could quote the passage from Ephesians chapter 2, verse 8 in our Bibles. It says, for by grace are ye saved through faith. He says, and that not of yourselves, it is what? The gift of God. <laughs> it is the gift of God, not of works, lest any man should boast. Nobody can earn it. Nobody can do anything for it. Nobody can take any credit for it. It's given. For by grace are you saved through faith given by God Almighty Himself to an undeserving people. But you see, to everybody that's saved, they've been given that faith to believe. They've been given that ability. Without God, it wouldn't be there, but that's a gift. He's given saving faith to every believer. But not only that, we mentioned the verse a while ago, for the wages of sin is death in Romans 6, 23. What's the rest of that verse? But the what? Gift of God is eternal life through Jesus Christ our Lord. The gift of God. You see, God not only gave to every believer, every believer, the ability to be saved, the faith by His grace. God has given eternal life to each one. We earn death, but then He gives us life as a gift. Philippians chapter 4, verse 19. Who can quote that one for me? But my God shall supply how many? All things. In chapter 4, verse 19, but my God shall supply all your need according to His riches in glory by Christ Jesus. Do you realize as a believer, the Bible's saying that there's not, it's impossible for you to have a genuine need, and that need not be fulfilled in the Lord Jesus Christ. He's given you that promise. He's given you that resource. He's given you to where you can have that confidence. And also in 2 Peter chapter 1, Notice verses 3 and 4. He says, According as His divine power hath given unto us all things that pertain unto life and godliness through the knowledge of Him that hath called us to glory and virtue, whereby are given unto us exceeding great and precious promises, that by these you might be partakers of the divine nature, having escaped the corruption that is in the world through lust. 
Every believer, everybody that's saved, they've been given those same precious promises. They've been given not only what they need for this life, but they've been given everything that they need to live the Christian life now and for all of eternity. We don't always accept everything that He's given us. We don't always take it and use it as He wants us to, but it's been given to us. It's not God's fault. The resources are there. They're given to every child of God. Then in James chapter 1 and verse 17, I remind you that the Word of God says that every good gift and every perfect gift is from above. Every good gift and every perfect gift. Have you noticed? Have you noticed that, man, most of the things that we've earned so far aren't too good? But boy, everything that God has given, it's good. And it's perfect. The Bible is full of gifts that God has given to His own. These are just a few examples. I want to remind you today, when we think about if we're going to understand the gifts of the Spirit, we've got to understand this is God. This is the same God that gives to every human being certain gifts. It's the same God that gives to every child of God certain gifts that we all have. There's none of us that are left without these things. But then thirdly, there's what I simply call individual gifts to each believer. These aren't inclusive of every believer, but these gifts are given individually. And that's what we just read about there in 1 Corinthians chapter 12, verses 1 through 11. What did he start in verse 1? Now, concerning what? Spiritual gifts. Now, concerning spiritual gifts, you'll notice in your Bibles that the word gifts there is italicized. Why? Well, there was only one word in the original Greek. We know that gift is implied because of the context and everything that follows after it. What the word there really means is either spirituals, or things that are pertaining to the Spirit. In other words, we must grasp these gifts, these individual gifts, to each of these spiritual gifts. We're not talking about man's natural talents. We're not talking about the natural abilities, no matter how great and wonderful that they might be, that an individual might possess. We're talking about divine enablements that come from God alone, direct from the Holy Spirit. Spiritual gifts, things that are pertaining to the Spirit. All of these gifts, they're spirituals. They can only exist by the power of God through the Spirit. We find that these individual gifts, these spiritual gifts, notice what he says down in verse 7. He says, but the manifestation of the Spirit. That's what we're talking about in all of this, right? The Spirit being manifest in the Christian's life. The manifestation of the Spirit, the Holy Spirit, is given to every man to profit with all. All of these gifts are manifestations of the Spirit. They are the Holy Spirit because they are spiritual gifts, because they are pertaining to the Spirit. They're not natural. They're supernatural. 
Spiritual gifts don't show what we can do. They show what God can do. It's the Holy Spirit being seen, being made manifest clearly through us. Now he says here that the manifestation of the Spirit is given to every man. Who's every man? He's talked to the church, the believers. Not talking to the world here in this passage. You see, these gifts are given to every man, to every believer. These gifts are given, but not just to everyone. He says, to every man to profit with all. <laughs> they're given individually, but they're given for the good of all. They're given that all might be blessed from it. He says, notice in verse 11, dividing to every man severally as he will, the Holy Spirit gives these spiritual gifts, these things that are pertaining to the Spirit, these things that can only be accredited to God, these supernatural abilities that are beyond our abilities and our talents and all the good things we can do. You might be a good administrator without the having the, the gift of administration. You might be a good hostess without having that gift. The thing is, these are things that God gives that goes beyond. God uses the base things, the simple things in life to confound the wise. We find that as we find here that though the Spirit is giving these gifts to everybody, He is dividing to every man severally as He will, clearly teaching that as believers, these gifts are being divided amongst different people. As we study this, if everybody's been given one, then they're being divided. The simple truth is every born-again child of God He's got at least one spiritual gift. He may have more. But he says they're given to every man, though they're being divided severally as he will. He doesn't leave anybody out. When a person is a child of God, when the Holy Spirit takes over and the Holy Spirit has their lives, then everyone is given a gift of God that this spiritual gift can be used for the good of everyone. We see from these verses... As we close this morning, oh, we serve a giving God, a God that loves us so much that he gave us so much before we even belong to him. There are gifts that are intrinsically given to every human being or they wouldn't be in existence. All of humankind is a beneficiary of these intrinsic gifts that are given by God. But then there are these gifts that are inclusively given, that are given to every person that puts their faith and trust in Jesus Christ. They're given certain things. They're gifts that believers share equally. Nobody has more than the other. Every believer can claim these promises. Every believer can receive them for themselves. And then there are these spiritual gifts that are individually given. These gifts are divided amongst the believers based solely upon the will of God, specifically the Holy Spirit, the gifts of the Spirit. Every child of God here this morning has a spiritual gift. Everyone, each individual has a gift to use for the good of the whole body. 
We'll look at more about that next time, God willing. The truth is, is that these individual gifts of the Spirit, they will have a specific use. But that specific use is not to make you a better Christian. It's not even to make you a happier Christian. It's certainly not to make you a more showy Christian so everybody can see how grand you are. These gifts that are given supernaturally are gifts that are used for the person sitting beside you right now, for the person sitting across the sanctuary from you right now. You see, this local body of Christ right here, God is the one that places each member within the body. And God is the one that gifts each one of those with the gifts that they need so that all of these gifts working together, they benefit the whole. Never for you, always for others, that you might be a blessing. As we close this morning, I would just ask, first of all, this very simple question. You see, I know everybody under the sound of my voice has received wonderful gifts from God. Just your sheer existence in being here today, your ability to exist is all because of Him. But as He has given you that life, He made you a living soul, and you are therefore accountable to that God that's your Creator. And as you're accountable to that God, then you're accountable for the choices that you make because He gave you that will, that free will, to be able to make those choices. But because we've all made bad choices, the wages of sin is death. But I want to say to you today, for everyone that will put their faith and trust in Jesus Christ, His finished work, what He did, the gift of God is eternal life through Jesus Christ. Today, I know you've received those intrinsic gifts what I want to ask you right now, as this service comes to a close, have you received that inclusive gift that God wants you to be included in His family of believers, that He gives to everyone that becomes part of His family? Salvation, eternal life, complete forgiveness of all those sins that will earn you nothing but death. You see, you can do your best. You can work as hard as you want. You can try as hard as you want. You can be as genuine and sincere in all those things as you want. But in the end, one slight wrong move, sin earns death. Sin earns death. That's all that any of us can ever earn for ourselves, but God wants to give you eternal life today. And then I want to challenge you Christians, as we look at these over at least the next I don't know, a couple of sermons or whatever it takes, as we look at these gifts closer, I want to ask you this morning, do you know what your gift, what your spiritual gift is? If you're a Christian, you've got a spiritual gift. Are you just doing everything in your strength and your power? Maybe you're good at some stuff and you can do some stuff, but have you really sought to see what has God? Because God's gifted you. Not to do something for yourself to make you a better person, to make your life more comfortable, to make your life more enjoyable. God has gifted you to do something to make this body function better. 
That's what spiritual gifts are about. Not about you. About God using you as part of the whole. What about it, Christian? Do you know what your spiritual gift is and are you using it for the whole? That the Holy Spirit Himself, God Himself, can be manifest, can be seen in your life because of what He's doing. Father, we thank You today. Lord, we know we've just skimmed the surface and tried to set the stage for these thoughts today, but Lord, I pray that You can use these simple thoughts and that Lord, you tell us in the very first verse of this chapter that, Lord, we're not to be ignorant about these things. Your truths are usually genuinely pretty simple if we just look at them and take them for what they are. Lord, I pray that you would help us to have clear understanding. I pray that you'd help us, Lord, that we can be excited about these things, excited about the fact that you, you want to do a work through us, Lord. You want to use each one here for the benefit of the whole, that this body can be stronger, that Jesus can be magnified more, that more can be won into the kingdom. We can look back to those purposes of what the, the Holy Spirit is for in the first place. Lord, I pray that you would speak to hearts this morning. If there be one lost, that they might be saved. If there be one that's walking afar off, Lord, I pray that you'd help them just to swallow their old pride, to forget about what anybody else might think, and Lord, if they need to just humble themselves in this altar this morning, seek forgiveness, recommit their lives to you. You help them, Lord. Help them to find that path. Help them not to drift away. And Lord, for all of us, the excitement of what you can do in our midst, if we just quit doing everything ourselves in our own strength, use the gifts that you've given us, these spiritual gifts, for the good of the whole, that the body might be strengthened, that the body might be united, that the body might truly be a picture of our Lord Jesus Christ. Of course, in his name we pray. Amen. Amen. <music>